Supporting middle leaders in schools. Guiding the senior leadership of tomorrow. And developing your successful career in education. This is Edgecast from NAHT Edge. Episode 9 is SEND and Senko focused. We look at the implications of the reforms and digest what you've been telling us as part of the feedback process. One person more than conversant with pressures on a Senko just happens to be the new director of NAHT Edge. I'm delighted to say that James Bowen is with me on the podcast to explain how he comes to the role and what are the key components of those reforms. In our monthly news bulletin, Peer Support Networks for Mental Health, a look at the deepening recruitment crisis and a triumvirate of other pertinent stories too. Edgecast is easy to subscribe to on iTunes, so every single episode is delivered to you. And also SoundCloud is another place to find us. Look out for the signposting on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. You're with Edgecast. On the 4th of April this year, James Bowen takes up the post of director at NAHT Edge. At the moment, James is the head teacher of a large, successful school in Hampshire and knows a great deal about teaching, middle leadership and, most saliently to this interview, the role of a Senko. Before we get to explore the SEND and Senko reforms, James has a snapshot of his CV. My career started in the city working in finance. So I did two years doing that and I quite quickly realised it was a job that I didn't sort of feel any sense of passion about, I really wasn't enjoying. So after two years, I decided to retrain and I went and became a primary school teacher. And really, I've never looked back since then. So um, I had some you know, really good years initially in the classroom, learning the trade. And I was really lucky to have a head teacher who was very supportive of me in those early days. And quite soon, I was taking on some middle leadership positions in the school, had uh, experience of subject leadership. I went on the experience of the Senko role as well. Um, I really enjoyed sort of the leadership roles in school. And for me, that was then a natural progression onto senior leadership positions. How do you feel that experience then, James, that backstory places you for this brand new role, or the, the role that at least is, is new for you? The key thing for me is that I have experience very recently of, of being a middle leader. So I know what it's like and I know what a fantastic role being a middle leader is in school. And I know that buzz you get from going from being responsible just to you know, your own class to suddenly being able to have an impact and being able to change things across the school, be that within your department, within your subject. But being able to sort of lead change across a school is something I've had experience of at that middle leadership level and really enjoyed. But equally important is also I know the challenges that come with that. You know, I, I remember well the challenges of, of middle leadership in terms of the time pressures you're facing as a middle leader and trying to sort of juggle being a class teacher and leadership responsibilities. And suddenly that, that, that pressure of being you know, accountable and responsible for, for teachers and colleagues beyond your own classroom. To the forthcoming report itself then, James. Just give us kind of a, an overview, if you like, of the report. Tell us about it. So we had um, the Children and Families Act came in in 2014. And, and with that, we had the new SEND Code of Practice coming in January 2015. Um, and both those documents together have really sort of transformed what's expected of, of SENCOs and schools in terms of how we meet the needs of SEND children. We were really interested to find out to what extent these, these quite major reforms were being developed in schools, how SENCOs were finding implementing the, these changes, and to what degree they thought there'd been success in terms of implementing the changes as well. So we carried out a survey of 
uh, a number of SENCOs and also school leaders as well, asked them a variety of questions and then followed that up with sort of face-to-face -face interviews as well to find out how they felt the reforms were going in their schools. And this report really summarizes those findings and gives us a really good view of where things stand at the moment in terms of the implementation of the reforms. Let's have a look at the pressures then, James, that have been brought to bear around SENCOs and, and the role that they carry out. Where would you say these pressures have come from? The role of a SENCO is incredibly demanding and it has always been incredibly demanding. You know, having been a SENCO myself, I know that, that the pressure on you know, the SENCO in the school. Uh, most SENCOs, particularly at the primary level, are also classroom teachers. So they're dealing with a huge amount of change already. We've had all the changes in terms of curriculum and assessment that they're trying to cope with. And on top of that, their SENCO role. And then you've got to think on top of that have come all these new SEND reforms. So there really is quite a significant you know, amount of pressure on SENCOs and a short sort of time frame in which to bring these changes in. So I think the report made it very clear to us that SENCOs have had a real increase in workload. And I think we have to give real credit to those SENCOs for dealing with these kind of multiple pressures and, and having such success already at implementing some of the changes. There are obviously concerns that have been articulated about timescale versus implementation on this. How can those concerns, if you like, be summarised? I think what I remember here is that we had the new SEND code of practice. It came in in January 2015. And, and schools and SENCOs were expected to be working towards that and implementing that by September 2015. So that gave a really short time frame, actually, for SENCOs to, to get their heads around the reforms, what it meant for them, to communicate that to the teachers and their leadership teams within their school, and then actually start to implement them. It was a really, really short time frame. And on top of that, we've got things like, you know, the educational health care plans, switching from statements to those. There's short time frames there as well, and we're talking about quite a major level of work there up and down the country where every child with a statement will need one of these new plans and the government has set a deadline of 2018 uh, and anecdotally we're hearing from Senkels already that that deadline m might be quite hard to meet. So there are absolutely some, some pressures here in terms of the timescales involved. Well that's part one of our conversation. In part two discover the meat and drink of the reforms and whether James thinks heads have enough on their plate already to be the cornerstone of the new system. More immediately, time to scrutinise the topical stories that invariably affect you. The Edgecast News Bulletin. News and information from NAHT Edge. In this bulletin, students urged to tell government what help they would need to set up peer support networks. Exam accreditation for reformed subjects. The recruitment crisis deepens. Insufficient information on SATs results at secondary level. And assessment, DFE's response and time for us to lead. First, the government has confirmed that students across England will be supported in the process of identifying peers with mental health issues and encouraging them to reach out for help. To bolster its drive for creating peer support networks, Education Secretary Nicky Morgan has announced a £1.5 million development fund and consultation to discover what help students need so this approach can be extended to thousands of schools. Commenting on the DfE's work, Nicky Morgan said, We know if mental health issues aren't tackled in childhood, they can blight people's lives as adults. NAHT Edge welcomes this governmental commitment to develop support in this area. It's, however, also key that teachers and other staff in schools receive high-quality training and that professional services are available and accessible when they're needed, said the association. 
A new table has been published by Ofqual to show where the reformed GCSE, AS and A-level specifications are in accreditation process. It lays out details of which exam boards are submitting specifications for the 20 subjects due for first teaching from September 2016, whether they've made a second submission because it originally failed to meet regulatory requirements and if the outcome of their submission is waiting for a response from the exam watchdog. Glenis Stacey, Ofqual's chief regulator, said, We know it's vital that parents, students and particularly teachers are kept up to date on the progress being made with accreditation. We're making more information available today in a more accessible format and we'll provide frequent updates. So what can you do? Awarding bodies are ensuring draft submissions are available on their websites. NAHT Edge would advise schools to utilise the draft specifications to assist with planning, but some changes may be made. A perfect storm is brewing. That's how the recruitment crisis in teaching is being characterised. As another government target is missed, a critical report from the National Audit Office pinpoints some key findings. Primary schools have had to recruit more teachers to keep up with the rising number of pupils. Secondary schools will soon need a similar increase. Across a 10-year period, more than 1 in 10 newly qualified teachers left state-funded schools within one year of joining. Within five years, nearly 30% left. Some of the recommendations include how the DfE should work with the sector to link training data with statistics on the quality of teaching in the classroom. And the department and its executive agency should work with school leaders to develop a good understanding of local demand for and supply of teachers. For secondary schools to be able to support those pupils who fall behind in their English and maths tests at the end of primary school, the new assessment system needs to evolve. That's the message from NAHT and NAHT Edge. Concern has been aired that secondary schools won't receive sufficient data to bring those who struggle in line with their peers. To plan effective interventions for these pupils, secondary schools require granular information on why a pupil failed to meet expected standards. In reality, not enough thoughts being given as to how such information can be shared between primary and secondary schools. Our specialist advisor, Sean Humphreys, is on the lookout for your views. You can email him directly at sion.humphreys at naht.org.uk. And finally, NAHT has successfully negotiated changes from the DfE on the arrangements for writing teacher assessment at Key Stage 2, introduced for 2016. But this is just the start of the campaign. It's not the end. NAHT Edge wants to work with its colleagues in NAHT to call for a vision of assessment that's stable, proportionate, coherent and fair. Our tool for this is the pledge. If you haven't signed it yet, and even if you don't want us to do anything, make sure your voice is heard on this important issue. You can find the link to the pledge in the News and Views section of NAHT Edge's website. With all the Edgecast news, I'm John Peters. Our brand new conference for Midlands senior leaders in the primary sector is heading your way. Working with the Teacher Development Trust and Oxford University Press, we're bringing together school leaders and internationally renowned experts to examine what constitutes effective professional development for teachers and what approaches lead to sustained school improvement. The Developing Great Teaching Conference in Cardiff on the 21st of June and again in London on the 23rd of June is jam-packed with topical training 
training, fringe meetings, and opportunities to network with your peers. The day will give you so much to think about, with one seminar looking at middle leaders as catalysts for professional learning, development, and improvement. Inspirational speakers include Joanna Hall, Deputy Director for Schools at Ofsted, Philip Accordingly, Chief Executive of Curie, Vivian Porritt, Director of School Partnerships, UCL Institute of Education, and Professor Sam Twizzleton, Director of Sheffield Institute of Education. We spoke to NAHT General Secretary Russell Hobby about the conference. He said middle leaders have a key role to play in helping schools to succeed. They're where the vision meets reality, so your professional and leadership development matter. And that's why NAHT Edge and NAHT are pleased to be part of this innovative event. We're offering a special early bird rate to everyone who books by the 31st of March 2016. Register your place today by visiting www.oxfordprimary.co.uk slash greatteaching. Finally, each month we bring you a top tip to help you develop your practice. This month, it comes from Teacher Development Trust CEO David Weston. He says great continuing professional development involves teachers pooling knowledge around subjects and year groups. Middle leaders have a key role to play in this, ensuring we can learn and grow as professional teams to help the pupils we work with every day. Find us on Facebook and LinkedIn for all the vital updates on those events. You can find us on Twitter as well. Our handle is at NAHTH. You're with the monthly podcast of NAHT Edge, the only regular and professional podcast for teachers and middle leaders. We'll return to James Bowen now. We're discovering the SEND and SENCO reforms. How would James sum up the nub of these reforms? I think we can sort of summarise them as there being sort of four, four major changes that have come through in terms of reforms, as well as some more specific day-to-day changes as well. The first one I'll talk about is this shift to an outcomes-based approach for SEND. Um, in the past, to an extent, we've talked a lot about the, the provision that we put in place, what we did for those children. There's a real shift now to think of less about perhaps what we're doing and more about what the outcomes should be. So where are we trying to get to? And, and we're thinking right up to the age of 25 uh, for some of these young adults. So we're thinking about you know, their long-term success into adulthood, independent living, and, and right the way back to sort of five and six-year-olds, we're thinking about those long-term outcomes. So that's a real shift in the way we're thinking. And the second sort of change I talk about is, is the way that now children and their parents and families are really at the heart and at the front and center of SEN decision-making. That when the government were looking at these changes, there was really clear feedback from the parents that often they felt their views weren't being listened to or that they were being slightly marginalized or listened to quite late in the process. So there's a real change now where parents and children, their views are real, really sort of central to the process and come right at the start of any decision making. The third change I'd talk about is the way we're looking now for a much more coordinated approach between education, healthcare and social care. The objective is that these sort of three agencies be working much closer together to provide coordinated provision for SEN children. And then the final one is this shift to teacher responsibility for the progress that SEN children are making. I think in the past, in some schools, there's been an element of SENCOs taking that responsibility and SENCOs feeling responsible for the progress of SEN pupils. And a new code of practice makes it really clear that there should be a shift now back to the classroom teacher who takes that day-to-day responsibility, who understands the progress those children are making, 
and, and take accountability for that progress. So four really quite major reforms and major changes that will have impact for schools. The system very much has heads as the cornerstone of a school knowing what it should be doing. Isn't there enough on their plate? I think we do, we do have to recognise that absolutely head teachers, like every other professional in the school, like the middle leaders as well, have, have a huge amount on their plate. And so, yes, they are dealing with an awful lot. Uh, what we did find through the report, which I'm pleased to say, is that you know, overarching feedback from Senkos is that they do feel supported by their head teachers and they do feel supported by their senior leadership team. So I think we can paint a positive picture there. What we do find and what the report's told us is, obviously, anecdotally, it varies a bit from school to school. So in some schools, head teachers are really clued up about these changes and are heavily involved and very supportive of their Senkos. But as is you know, always the case, it's not always like that in every single school. And it, and it is hard for Senkos if the head teacher or the senior leadership team don't know the reforms as well as they could. But I think we can sort of generally paint a positive picture here. Senkos told us that they are generally receiving the support they need from their head teachers. Fair to say, I think, that there's a, a mixed picture when it comes to the success of these changes in schools. Just give us an outline of that. What Senkos told us through the report, and what we found was that where they had control over the changes, where they could make those changes themselves out relying on outside agencies, they've been able to do that pretty successfully. So most Senkos told us that they've got a new SEM policy written, that their SEN offers on their website, they've made that change from the old categories of school action and school action plus to school support. So those areas where Senkos have direct control actually have done a really good job and, and those changes are happening. Where we've had far less success and where Senkos have told us they face bigger challenges is this idea of working in close coordination with healthcare and social care. The idea being that, you know, as schools we'd work really closely with professionals in those other sectors. But Senkos told us to report that's just not happening and, and that we don't think there's the capacity that there needs to be within healthcare and, and social care for that joint work, you know, to, to promote best outcomes for SEM pupils. So that has been far less successful. How do Senkos feel about these reforms? You know, at the, at the grassroots, what's, what's the feedback been like then? Generally speaking, you know, what we found through the report was that in terms of the, the overarching principles behind these reforms, Senkos are pretty positive about them. You know, the principles are quite sound, and it's very hard to disagree with, you know, the principle that children and parents should be at the heart of decision-making, or that we should be having high aspirations and thinking about long-term outcomes for these pupils. That's all very sound, and I think, generally speaking, there, there is positive feeling about those reforms. What, you know, Senkos have told us, though, the challenge is the increased workload that's come with that. You know, we took about all those extra pressures that are on Senkos, so... You know, bringing all these changes in with such short notice, we're only talking about you know, six to eight months to, to bring the changes in, that's where the challenge has been. So positive about the principles, but you know, we have to acknowledge the pressures on Senkos in terms of implementing them in their schools. Thanks to James Bowen, who starts officially as director of NAHT Edge on the 4th of April. So congratulations and all the best to James from the podcast. Do book one of our courses, you'll get so much out of them. And the vital details of those courses can be gleaned from our website, nahtedge.org.uk. Next time on Edgecast. Make sure you keep a lookout for more episodes of Edgecast, the place for more information about our upcoming report. Any contributions you can muster are extremely welcome to. Blogs can be emailed via the website. Just go to nahtedge.org.uk forward slash news and views forward slash blog listing. Until next time, 